now you will experience the full power of the dark side. I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero, my A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Dying Show. Uh-oh, it's Monday. Wait a minute. What's going on? We usually we usually release on Fridays. Well, happy Monday. On this episode, we are just reviewing Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. This is a full-blown, four-alarm, spoilery review of what we thought of the final Star Wars movie of the Skywalker legacy. <laughs> no. Go away. Let's rock it. Palpatine, you can suck it. You're dead. You're dead. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I am the real Brian. Welcome. I am Captain Influence, and welcome. And I am Kryptonite. Kryptonite. And definitely, ex- definitely excited to be back on the show. Oh my gosh! Welcome back, Kryptonite. Welcome. See. So we are going to experience the full power of the dark side because you're here. Wait. That, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't make any. No, you're you're such a nice guy. You. Do you even know how to unleash the dark side at all in life? Probably not. My, okay. my kids would probably say I do. Yeah. But that's a different story. Maybe we should have them on sometime. So tell me about your no, father. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back. It's good. Hey, you were on not long ago and you were talking about that you were rocking the keto diet. So yes. How's that going, man? Are you like a uh, superhuman now and... That's been, I, what, few, I, I was I was now? rocking it for a while and yeah. then it rocked me. Uh-oh. And uh yeah, it, it found a lightsaber apparently and cut my hand off. So oh. Ow. No. I knew that no. diet was no good. <laughs> I'll never join you. Oh uh, no, I, I I kinda I kinda fell off and then the holidays hit and well, that's <laughs> never a tough recovered. Time. And so but I have a trip coming up um in March, early March, and so I have a goal. I have a destination. I don't know if I'm going to do keto, but I'm going to be working on cutting out sugars. Nice. Um, to some extent, and trying to uh, get my weight down at least a little bit uh, before we go on our trip. Ah, good luck with that. Yes. Yes. And I understand, especially this time of year, it's almost impossible to you know try to do any kind of dieting. Well, let me rephrase that. Right now is when everybody does it. It's just that, you know, during the holidays, I mean, like, everybody falls off the bandwagon. It's just so hard, man. There's so much yeah. sugar everywhere and good food. And <sighs> and it's a wonderful excuse to not follow your diet. I mean, because yeah. everyone else is. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. I agree. So, hey, whatever. We're going to. Good luck. Good luck. You know, what's funny. I was actually was listening to somebody and talking about how they don't like keto. And they're saying, however, some people it works, you know, and, and what did they say? Like it can, it can heal your gut bacteria, which is a really good thing. We should go into that a little bit more, but it's amazing how many people do not agree about which diet to go on. And, you know, a lot of people are now starting to say, just choose a better lifestyle and try not to diet. 
Yeah, I'd have to say it's not amazing at all that people don't agree. <laughs> well, no, but it's just also kind of funny. I'm like, okay, can we agree on any kind of common ground, though? And I think everybody's starting to agree that sugar's not good and gut bacteria. Exercise is. Yeah, I mean, I think they're starting to come together a little bit. But we I should, don't agree that exercise is good. It's well, terrible. Good for you. It's, it can oh, be fun yes. if you find the thing that you like. Or if you can Maybe. do it while you work. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I need to do. Okay. That's what well, I got going on. Well, see, anyway. that's the thing. You're the one who's like going and, you know, losing weight and having a good time. So I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. All right. Yeah. Well, shall we jump into Star Wars with both feet, both feet? Well, yes. both lightsabers. I'm going to go with that one. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We talked briefly about this on Friday. Got a chance to be a little non-spoilery. Have a little fun with that. So we're going to give our initial impressions again, but this time we're going full on spoilery. So if you're coming to this episode thinking, oh yeah, what's up? You know, I haven't, I haven't watched star Wars yet. Yeah. You might not want to listen to this episode until after you've seen it because we're going to give away everything. We're spoiling it all. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've seen it, then Hey, welcome. Let's have some fun. All right. Initial thoughts. First of all, star Wars, the rise of Skywalker, the ninth in the series of the, the Skywalker legacy is what they've called it. So it's so funny that they've called it the Skywalker legacy. They never did until this year. Right. At least not that I heard. It makes sense, but whatever. So here we are. The rise of Skywalker. Let's go with you. Kryptonite first. What were your initial impressions? What did you overall think of the movie? Yeah, overall, I loved it. It was definitely better than I was expecting. I had decent hopes for it. I wasn't like, kind of like, oh, we'll see what happens. And then I was pleasantly surprised. I actually had good hopes going into it and it ended up being better than what I was expecting. And so I'm the type of person that I like spoilers. And so even leading up to the movie, I was watching some of the leaks and whatever, things like that, what, what might happen and things like that. And so, and so I had some idea of what may or may not actually happen, but things turned out better than what, some of the predictions were, and so that was good. But I think overall, though, uh, even though I really loved it, I think everything moved very quickly. There was a lot of stuff that they crammed into the movie, even though it's a decent length movie, two and a half hours, it moved really quickly through Mm -hmm. a lot of the different pieces. And so there's just a lot of stuff that just happened way too fast. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's actually a lot of story in it. And I think some people are saying, yeah. oh, the story wasn't very good. I'm like, there was a lot of story, so you might have missed it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think the story is good. It was just rushed. Yeah, they could have easily done it in two. It's so funny. We joke yeah. about, you know, movies where it's like, you really didn't need to t- turn that into two movies. This is one where <laughs> they easily could have. Yes, I agree with that. I thought that exact same thing. All right. Love it. Captain Influence. Overall thoughts. Meh. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Yeah, whatever, Darth. Uh, so I'm starting to realize what it is about the new episodes that's been bothering me, that, that they're too over the top. Um, I think J.J. Abrams is John Woo's Padawan. <laughs> if you, anyone remember John Woo? He, oh, yeah. he, was really, he was really big in the 90s, you know, like Face Off, and uh, what other movies did he do? But he, he was big. His, didn't, he, uh, like, wait, didn't he do Mission Impossible 2? He did one of the Mission Impossibles, yeah. yeah that was uh, the one that was way over the top and so different from the franchise. That's his style. John yeah. Woo, I think he, I feel like he may have been the original over-the-top director, action director. And J.J. Abrams has really followed in his footsteps, especially with more recent films of his. Originally, I don't think J.J. was like that quite as much. But 
I could be wrong, uh, but it feels like, especially in the last decade, he's really just totally gone overboard. And it's just a film style I'm not really comfortable with. Yeah. Um, it, to me, it seems in, disingenuous. Like you're, 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 in some ways, you're uh, insulting your audience's intelligence, or at least part of the part of your audience that is intelligent, you're insulting them a little bit. And so, you know, I liked it better than episode seven and eight. I liked episode nine much better than seven and eight, uh, but it was still very, very JJ. There was just too much exaggerated plot and action, and they dug their plot holes too deep originally with episode, especially with seven. JJ, right out the gate, introduced this new plot line that was just like, where did all this come from? And who, why is there this dude named Snoke? And what's, what's his story? Oh, wait, he's dead. Never mind. It doesn't matter. So I feel like they had dug themselves this plot hole in the ground. Uh, and, but with episode nine, I feel like they pulled themselves out of it fairly well, as well as they could, I think. Some of the characters that bugged me in episode eight were not as annoying this time, so that's good. And then the final episode was a little too long, but honestly, I was so overwhelmed by the over-the-topness of just about everything that I was starting to zone out halfway through the film. So it went really fast, ironically. <laughs> While I was watching it, I was kind of, I wasn't falling asleep, but I was just, I, I was finding myself kind of just in a daze. Like, uh, this is there's just too much going on and, and, and whatnot. So anyway, that's my elaborated general idea of it. I thought it was okay. It, it was actually a decent film. And, and as far as a star Wars movie, I really think it's very much worth seeing. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. What about you, Brian? Well, I loved it. I was very pleasantly surprised. I had a good time with it. You know, what was interesting is you talk about over the top. And I can see where you're coming from. But one thing I noticed about this movie is that it didn't have all the campy cheesiness that episodes one, two, and I would say even, even a little bit of return of the Jedi had some campy and cheesy moments a little bit. And then also eight had quite a bit of it. So this just didn't, it felt like this was more like an empire strikes back seriousness, more of an epic movie style. It would be more like three, four, five is kind of what it felt like. Uh, which yeah, is why I, I, I agree liked with, it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative that they didn't have any of the campy parts. Yeah. And we'll talk mm. about some of the over the top stuff in a minute because I want to get into that just because I feel like there are a couple things that, yes, they did very poorly and a couple things that we might be able to explain away in a good way. <laughs> we'll see. But other than that, you know, it's so funny because I think there are a lot of people out there that really hate it. And when I hear opinions, a lot of the opinions are saying, you know, it's just not the original trilogy. And, and I go, okay. The last time we saw the original trilogy was in 1983. Has there <laughs> ever been any question that anyone is ever going to do the original trilogy since? I mean, how many years? It's like definition of insanity, people, to even be thinking that. So yeah, e- even I'm not quite there. I wish that it were up to the that the the last three movies were up to that level of excellence, quote unquote. In my opinion, again, not not counting episode four per se, but especially five and somewhat six. Yeah. I've long since come to the understanding that uh, it's just not meant to be. Unfortunately, they just don't have the right people writing the, in my opinion, the right people writing the story anymore. And it is what it is. So, well, and that's actually a question I'm going to ask later on um, is, is, you know, who should have been involved sort of thing, but we'll go to that. But here's the Mm -hmm. thing, how quickly we forget. And in fact, you know, Lee bad kitty, we were talking about this a couple of episodes ago with, we now say, Oh, I wish it were like the prequels. 
And it's kind of like, wait, really, though? Do you remember when, you know, Phantom Menace came out and we were just like, what the crap is this? (laughs) I mean, come on. I'll never forget. So, you know, we did our ranking, our Star Wars ranking, and I had Last Jedi last as the 10th one and Solo at nine and Phantom Menace at eight. Then I had Force Awakens and then Attack of the Clones. I got to be honest that I would put the rise of Skywalker. I put Rogue One and Revenge of the Sith tied as four, basically four and five, essentially. I would put rise of skywalker right in there honestly like it's better than attack of the clones it's better than force awakens i thought it was equally as good as rogue one slash revenge of the sith as far as quality and just enjoyment of it although Mm -hmm. i thought rogue one was a masterpiece as far as just how they pulled it all together yeah but yeah i would definitely put it above attack of the clones and i liked attack of the even though attack of the clones was super cheesy but anyway i (laughs) i liked this i thought it was good it did have some problems but I think it did its best to fix things that were a mess, especially in episode eight. And I thought it ended on a really, really good note. And, you know, a friend of mine was saying that it was like for a longtime Star Wars fan, you know, you got all the nostalgia and all the feels in the last part of the movie. And I thought that was perfect how they did. that. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then soundtrack wise. Oh, you know, before I get into the soundtrack, I'm just going to say this, though, is that, yes, I think the true Star Wars fans are going to love it or think it's okay. Then the people that are hating it again, and we talked about this on Friday is that I think they went in with a preconceived, you know, notion of some kind, because I just don't understand why they hate it. Even the reasons they they give just, they don't make any sense to me. So I'm hoping that if you've seen it, you're either in the love it or the okay category. Hopefully you're not in the hate it category, but if you are, I'd like to hear your opinions and you know, We'll see what yeah, happens. I mean, even even I'm not in the hate it category. I didn't hate that movie at all. I'm glad I went to see it. And even though I was zoning out through part of it, uh, that was just because it was so long and so much was going on. But sure. So as a Star Wars movie, it was actually pretty decent. So now so soundtrack there. we talked about on Friday, but just going into it a little bit more, it is oh, such a great soundtrack. They did a beautiful mix of episodes four through eight and then some new stuff in nine. And interestingly, I went back to listen to the soundtrack the other night, actually, I was just like, oh, I'm going to go back and listen to all the soundtracks just briefly, you know, scanning through them. I got to tell you, the the first one, you know, A New Hope was so perfect. If you listen to it, it may not have been the most fun music to listen to in the background, but it is the most memorable for each scene. Like it was masterfully done for each scene. But Empire Strikes Back, the music in that was just amazing. Yeah. Return to the Jedi, I was surprised how little of the music I even remembered. And then I went back to like Phantom Menace, which had, you know, the Duel of the Fates, some really amazing stuff there. And Attack of the Clones actually had beautiful music, incredible music. Revenge of the Sith had a few really good ones. And then Force Awakens, I've I've come to find that there are a few themes like Ray's theme is really cool and Starkiller Base and some of those that are really nice. I could barely find anything. I mean, I had to stretch to pull one piece out of The Last Jedi. <laughs> Oh, I just didn't like the last Jedi soundtrack at all. It was John Williams, but I just was, I remember going like, this isn't very good, huh? but nine was great. Loved it. Yeah, I would agree. Nine, nine mm-hmm. is my favorite of all the recent soundtracks for sure. I actually noticed it while I was in the movie. So yeah, me too. Do you like it? Kryptonite? Honestly, I am one that I don't always pay attention to the music as much. I get too engrossed into the story and what's going on that, that it's good, but I. But what I have to say though is that I think that's a good thing in this case because the music is supposed to set the tone and the mood, and basically kind of make you feel like you're there. Mm-hmm. And I think it did that. And so, 
So giving that as a, as a preface, I, I would say that it was good as well. Awesome. Okay. Well, captain, you mentioned characters. You said they were less annoying in this movie as they were in eight. And that's interesting because I kind of wanted to go through the characters briefly, just kind of mm-hmm. looking at them like Kylo Ren. What did you guys think? Kryptonite, what did you think of Ren in this episode versus, and we'll go into his story later, but just in general, this episode versus seven and eight. Yeah, I really liked what he did in this particular movie. I like his character development. Mm-hmm. Even in the first one, or in seven, he was he was shown to have conflict, but strong toward the dark side. But you could definitely see that there was a weakness there. I think both the the character development with Ray and him was a little weird in eight with how they were kind of like pandering back and forth. It almost seemed like a middle school. (laughs) I like you relationship type thing. Yeah. Um, So that, that seemed kind of weird in there, but in this one, I seen it seemed really, really, really good as far as how his character was able to be developed. It was very solid. I think throughout as they were going through the movie, he was much less emo and pouty this time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's the biggest problem I had with Kylo Ren in eight was he was so what a what a what a bitch. he was a total bitch. that's what he was. I mean, it's like, Diva. wow, why are they writing him like this? I mean, he was I didn't really like him from seven. And now he's just really, really unlikable in eight. But then in nine, they kind of redeemed him a bit. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of redeemed, I felt like, I mean, let's be honest, the way that they wrote Luke and eight was a train wreck. It was horrible. It destroyed him. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they did a pretty good job redeeming Luke as best as possible in this episode, which I really, really enjoyed. Of course, it's not what I wanted to see from Luke overall, but mm, right. it was a nice patch job. So I mean, the Luke that. Skywalker that we're used to was in episode six, Return of the Jedi. That was the Jedi Master Luke Skywalker, right? Yeah. And in eight, he's not—he's just not like that anymore. He's—he's he's, again, he's kind of like Kylo Ren's character. He yeah. was like, "Why are you doing this to this character?" Yeah. Uh, and it—it's like, why did why did they make that writing mistake? And and they corrected that. Yeah. Nice job on that mm-hmm. one. Kryptonite. You mentioned Ray with with Kylo Ren. You know, just their interactions. I thought Ray was cool. I mean, she's always been cool throughout the series, anyway. But I thought they did a good job with her in this episode, pulling it together. I thought her acting and you know everything felt believable and good to see where they took her. And of course, we'll talk more about all of that here in a minute. But overall, I liked Ray uh, and I felt I don't know what it was, but she felt more likable in this episode than she did in the other two. What did, what did you guys think about it? Well, I'll mention that I, for some reason, for whatever reason, beginning in episode seven and even through episode nine, I never really resonated with Ray. Mm-hmm. Something about her character just felt really blah to me from the very get-go in fact most of the main characters with the possible exception of poe felt really blah to me and it's just, they just didn't grab me i didn't feel excited about them i wasn't like oh who's this awesome person i just it just didn't do it for me and so in episode nine as with so many other aspects ray just was not as blah in this episode as she was in episode seven and eight so i agree That's with good. you there all right kryptonite i did like her even back in seven, I always had that question of like, who, who is she? Who is she really? And I remember when that first came out, I was thinking, okay, well maybe she is like the daughter of Luke or maybe sister to, to Kylo. I didn't, I didn't know a whole lot about 
storyline or whatever Star Wars canon or anything no, like that. And so none of us um, did. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so I had those different thoughts. And so, so I mean, that, that kind of sparked curiosity. And as I was thinking about her character development in seven, it seems very similar to Luke when he was first on the scene. His thing was he wanted to go back home. He wanted to stay home and all that kind of stuff. He had that kind of attitude. And that's how Ray was in seven and eight. She was starting to come out on her own, really wanted to go out and, and wanted to redeem Ben Kylo. And then also in nine, she really like came into her powers came into her character. She was really accepting who she was and basically what she had to do and her part in the, in the rebellion and all that. So I really liked the way that she was developed through this episode. You can see the strength and the confidence that she has. There's times of, of her being unsure, but I think that makes it more natural because I mean, all of us, even, even like the most confident person has moments of, well, I'm not so sure mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And so there, there were times like that and how she was also willing to step out and try things that she'd never done before, never experimented with, or maybe it just happened because she was just so determined. I, I think that's one thing that, that I think that like really kind of is like a main part of her character is her determination and not giving up. You know, it's interesting because I just thought of something that I don't really feel like we saw Ray really struggle ever. And maybe that's part of the issue with the bland, you know, maybe flat character because I mean, Luke, he struggled a little bit. I mean, he got his hand chopped off, you know, the news of Darth Vader being his dad and all that. And he just went through struggles and he struggled with the dark side a little bit. And of course they went on that with fan fiction, the expanded universe. They did that a little bit more where Mm -hmm. they had said that, you know, because of Luke's struggle with the dark side, he was able to master both the dark and the light side, which I thought was really cool eventually. And they did not show that at all in these movies. But I, you know, to me, it's like, you just didn't really see Ray struggle. She just kind of was like, Oh, well, whatever. I'm good. And I, but I liked her determination, but it was kind of like, I don't know. She's a little young to be just perfect. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and we true. even saw Anakin struggle, even though the the way they wrote that and the way it was acted was kind of bad. But other than that, like, <laughs> you know, his struggle with Padme and not being elected to the, as a Jedi master, you know, just kind of some of that, like made, made a lot of sense, which is why he got so angry. But um, anyway, so <laughs> I'm just throwing that one out that like, that's one thing we didn't really see much of at all in the trilogy. Now you mentioned that you liked Poe captain influence. You thought his was, he was just a, did you like his character? Yeah, more or less. I thought he was a okay. fun character. Although I didn't like him very much in eight because um, yeah. when Finn and that and that one girl went off to the oh, Rose, yeah, Rose. That, Rose was one of those obnoxious characters in eight that I, I I was like, why is she there and what are you doing with this person yeah, and why are they why are they at, on a chocobo planet and etc. But but then Rose was much better in episode nine. For example, <laughs> Finn was. Was I mean Finn? Finn is another one of those characters who's just kind of blah for me throughout seven and eight, and then in nine, he was still kind of blah, but it wasn't annoying to me. They just didn't write those characters into annoying situations, in my opinion. 
You know, so, the thing with Poe is I liked how he was the one who just wasn't serious like every other character that's ever you yeah. know, always written. But the thing I didn't like is I almost felt like they over they made him a little over the top and a little forced with his uh, you know like exuberance I guess would be the right word. Yeah, because he was funny, but he he could have been funny in a more natural way. And here's the thing, I don't yeah. think that is the actor's fault. That's Oscar Isaac. He's a great Oscar. actor. I've Oscar. seen him in some phenomenal roles, but I don't know. I just felt like the writing about his character just wasn't quite on, even though he was more fun. But yeah, speaking of Rose though. Okay. So she had a major role in episode eight and this is Kelly Marie Tran. Everybody's wondering where was Rose in episode nine? Like you see her kind of just pop in and out and that was it. She really had no role. I don't even think she hardly said anything at all. And everybody's kind of like, where, where did she go? Um, What's interesting (laughs) is that, they're saying, well, we knew the fans would miss her. And I was like, well, hold on a second. Really? I missed her in the sense of like, I noticed she wasn't there, but I didn't miss her character. And now there's all this. Apparently there were some, unfortunately, some hateful things being said by unfortunately racist people and stuff saying, oh, you know, you've got an Asian in a lead role and stuff like that. And for episode eight and people were all pissed about that. And I'm like, okay, you guys suck. But for those of us who are not racist and hateful, I didn't like her character. Uh, and, and everyone's like, oh, well, but we were trying to bring an Asian in. Well, good, but you didn't yeah. write her correctly. And I guess right. that was her first breakout <laughs> role, like the, her first main acting job, which I thought she did great, but they didn't write her well. Her character no. really had no purpose in episode eight at all. And then, of course, you see her in nine and it's just kind of like she's just in the background. And I thought, OK, she's they, there, yeah. they really could have fixed that. They could have brought her in a way that was less annoying and less just like un- mm-hmm. unnecessary. Um, I mean, I don't know. There's a, I was reading a little bit about that. There's some stuff going on in the background that they're not, you know, one person said, Oh, we couldn't put Rose in because of, uh, we wanted to include her with Leia and well, Leia filmed. We'll talk about that in a minute in order to have Rose with Leia. We would have had to do a CGI Leia and we didn't want to do that. And we didn't think that the, uh, um, the special effects people could have done a good enough job. And then later it said, Oh, I didn't say that. I never said anything against ILM and although they're great people, they're wizards. It just wasn't part of the story. And so there's a lot of backpedaling and different stories going on about why Rose wasn't a bigger character in this. So it's like, okay, whatever. Too bad. Too bad. That was a, unfortunately, that was a a missed opportunity on their part. Yeah. But I agree that she didn't have much purpose in eight and whatever. Chewy. Okay. A couple things on this one. So you know that this Chewbacca is not Peter Mayhew who did the original Chewbacca. Of course, this guy, his name's like Junus something. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it was kind of hard actually. Cause you know, the way that Peter Mayhew, he was so tall, the way he walked was so unique and like, you just knew it was chewy. And this guy had a completely different body build and walked and moved completely different. And I was just like, it's just, huh. it doesn't feel like chewy. <laughs> And though, I didn't notice that at all. Oh, I, didn't? I did I not, didn't either. not even slightly notice that difference. Oh so yeah. That's it was like that you did very obvious to me. Huh, but interesting. anyway, I still very good. And yeah, you mentioned uh, Finn. And there's, of course, a lot of other characters that we could talk about. Zori Bliss. That was the um, was that a bounty hunter? I think she was. That was it was Poe's friend, right? Poe's friend with that. The helmet. Oh, I want to say she's Mandalorian, but she wasn't. Though. Stormtrooper. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the uh, like I think she was a bounty hunter. Yes. That was another character that was uh, that was kind of thrown into. Yeah. Okay. I guess we haven't we haven't really discussed characters that were thrown in on episode nine yet, but she's one of the characters 
and then Finn's the 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 girl that they ex stormtrooper they, yeah the ex stormtrooper that helps them near the end she's thrown in there and yeah and we'll talk about her again at, near the end of the discussion but um see that's what's amazing to me is that they had all these characters they threw in and I'm like okay well I want to know more about her and I want to know more about Zori Bliss you know the the bounty hunter and I want to what about Phasma and I mean you know in the first two <laughs> up but like I wanted and they just didn't develop them. They right, what a cool these- character Phasma was that uh, potentially. Yeah. And they just didn't do anything with them. Snoke, same thing, yeah. dumb name, but at least they could have developed the character, which they just didn't even try. It's so it's so amateur to me. Agreed. And and now I know Kryptonite, you were going to bring this up, but this is a perfect time right now to bring it up is whatever happened to that kid at the end of episode 8 that has force abilities and he's like sweeping. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, I don't even remember that. Yeah, what happened to him? It just disappeared. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's like, weird. <laughs> What the heck? I mean, the way they left that on eight, it made it seem like, oh, okay, well, this is going to be like a main key to going forward. Here's this, mm. this kid that has his force abilities. Okay. Ray's going to like train up a, a new tribe or whatever. And, and like nothing. I mean, if he That's was in the funny. movie, I don't I have no idea where he was or what he was doing. I don't think um, he was. Yeah. I don't think so. And so, because the only force users that I remember seeing were, the i mean the obvious ones yeah um and so hmm. yeah i I had that yeah that was really weird i don't know it just popped in my head it's like wait a minute whatever happened to him yeah well i and just the, there were a lot of characters that were just kind of randomly thrown in that just never went anywhere and it's kind of like there's no mm-hmm. reason to do that because it just confuses us you know well oh, and it well. makes them look bad so That's i mean true. it makes it makes the movie producers the writers and the directors look bad yeah now or at least it should some characters that made them look good though was that was a perfect send off and homage to Carrie Fisher. I really, yes. really oh, thought yeah. that was amazing. One of the biggest concerns that I had going into this episode was that it was going to be CGI Carrie Fisher and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So what happened and now granted there's a lot of details behind this that I just don't know because I'm not part of ILM or anything like that, but yeah, because, and I want to, I want to throw this in there because just in, in 100% honesty, I thought that was CGI Carrie Fisher and I thought they were doing an amazing job with the CGI. I had no idea that was actually the actress that they'd filmed before she died. Yeah. They had this footage. It was deleted scenes from the force awakens. So they went back and they said, well, we can actually use all this footage. There were problems as far as like we had to get the lighting exactly correct, you know, to create scenes around. So they took the footage and they Mm -hmm. basically created new scenes around that old footage and then there were some things where maybe they would have had to change the outfit so they would use her face, but then they might CGI like the outfit around her. Oh, okay. Um, and then, of course, they had to change locale a little bit. So there were a few things like that, that they did, but the actual footage of Carrie Fisher, especially her face, was all real and it was all from The Force Awakens is what, is what I found anyway. But again, there, okay. there's so much into that that they, you know, of course, we don't even know. It'd be interesting to get one of the people that actually did it and you know get on to explain exactly how they did it but i thought they did a phenomenal phenomenal job super fascinating how they were able to pull her in mm-hmm. even though she was you know she died three years ago so crazy crazy stuff agree but it was a great send off mm-hmm. to her um same with like han solo i was very surprised they got harrison ford back and i guess jj had called him up and just said hey come back we want to redo your scene essentially from the force awakens and it's going to be the memory. Of course, it was a memory, you know, and it's going to be a different outcome this time. And 
I guess Harrison Ford was glad to come back. And oh my gosh, I, I was surprised. There was nothing leaked about that, at least that I had seen. Um, See, and I was, that was cool. To me, he looked, I, I remember thinking in the theater that, that he looked off for some reason in, in this movie. And I was like, is that a CG Harrison Ford or is that some other actor that's trying to, or they, did they do something around about his eyes seemed like it wasn't really the actor. And I don't know why that is for me. I it just, it, it looked off for me. So, yeah, I don't know. It was yeah, definitely him. Yeah. But now I know. And then Palpatine, I just love him anyway. And I'm glad Ian McDermott came back and good job. And we'll talk yeah. more about that in a minute. But um, C-3PO, I just saw, it was so funny. I was talking to somebody who hates C-3PO and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, what did you guys think of C-3PO in this one though? I personally liked it. I had seen that that one part of the scene when when they wipe his memory where he says, I'm looking at my friends for the last time. Of course, what I saw in the preview, I had no idea what what that was implying. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was really interesting that um, we're, we're seeing Ray like giving it all like, like, okay, this is our last chance. Like we're ever going to have period being able to do something and you got Poe and whatever, all, all, everyone doing this and you got C-3PO, a robot. I mean, very intuitive, very, very smart and all that kind of stuff. I mean, makes, makes all time. He made the decision. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and allow my memory to be wiped so we can be able to get this translation because it's vital. And then just the way that he did that, he's, he, it's like, he was thinking and it's like, okay, he's going to walk away, but he, he walks and he turns and he's like, I'm looking at my friends for the last time because he knew that's the last time he's going to remember them. Mm-hmm. And when he sees them again, it's going to be starting all over again back in episode one. Yeah. I thought C-3PO was C-3PO. I mean, he was, yeah, yeah that's one of those timeless characters that never changes <laughs> and gives all the movies a continuity. Yeah. I so agree. yeah. Well, speaking of that though, R2D2 in these three movies really didn't have a whole lot. They let BB-8 kind of take over, steal the show, mm-hmm. which was surprising to me. Well, I mean, I I'm like not BB-8. surprised. I'm very ambivalent towards BB-8, but I don't dislike him. And well, I mean, it's so silly to say you dislike a uh, robot, but yeah, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I, I was not surprised by that at all. I thought it made perfect sense uh, to maintain his role in the spotlight as the main droid in the, in the trilogy. So oh, that's fine. I just thought that they didn't do mm-hmm. enough with R2-D2 in the trilogy at yeah. all. I was really yeah. disappointed by that because R2-D2 has been a core staple you know, from the beginning. So, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, oh, well. So let's just talk about Ray's story here in the very, you know, the beginning episode seven, we're wondering who is she? Oh my gosh. You know, how many times did we all complain about, wow, she just learned the force in like, you know, 12 hours and <laughs> as a complete noob, just defeated the Sith Lord. Come on. Like everybody was complaining about that. So unrealistic. Then in episode eight, all oh, your parents were nobody. They were just, you know, junk dealers and, you know, you, you have no lineage and it's just like, oh, this is really disappointing. Well, then we find out, oh, she's a Palpatine. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. now that explains her incredible raw power and ability that developed like overnight, essentially like that makes sense now because Palpatine's power is so beyond ridiculous. It's not even funny. So that makes perfect sense. Now I got to ask. So in one, on one hand that totally redeems 
the storyline that we were kind of debating, which kind of says, okay, well, was this the plan all along? And if so, then well done. Hats off, JJ. Awesome. I liked that. I'm glad you did that. Or was it one of those like, well, you know, the whole nosedive in episode eight about, you know, your parents are just junk dealers and JJ is like, oh crap, I better do something crazy to fix the mess. <laughs> Which one? Either way, it worked and I'm happy with it, but I was just kind of curious like, yeah, was it the plan all along or was this like a, oh crap, let's fix it. What do you guys think? Good question, dude. I mean, it's JJ Abrams, so <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I don't, I tend not to give him the benefit of the doubt lately. Obviously I'm going to not give him the benefit of the doubt, but to be fair, that was one really powerful loose end that they tied up in this film. So, yeah. so I'm glad they did. I don't know how to answer that question though. And in fact, I don't even know. I wouldn't even trust him to tell the truth if he was here. <laughs> so that's called public relations. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I know for me, when I heard that, it took me honestly a little bit for me to really come to grips. I'm like, okay, really? I mean, at first it seemed like a stretch. It's like, okay, it's like they're trying to force a way to half force, uh, try to force a way to, to, to wrap that up and and bring in Palpatine and, and and all that. And but the more I thought about it, it's like, okay, that that really can make sense yeah and like that so so after i dwelt on it for a little bit it's like okay i can i can really see that actually being plausible now whether they that was the plan for the beginning or not i don't know but it was a good way to be able to wrap it up yeah anyway. well i know and you see that part where chewy gets taken and the transport takes <laughs> off and you know he's trying to or she's trying to hold that was awesome I, in fact it was so funny i was like oh, yeah. i yeah. was thinking use the force and prevent the ship from taking off and then she does that and i'm like okay at least i'm on the same wavelength here this is good and then of course yeah. you know kylo comes in and then she's like holding it and all of a sudden like lightning shoots from her hands and destroys the ship and i'm like dude that was awesome they killed chewy <laughs> and he, oh she's using force lightning and then, of course, it all starts to make sense. Now, really quickly, Chewy, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to go back to the force stuff here in just a second. But just a quick side note. Did it not seem completely ridiculous that they just easily captured a Wookiee and Chewbacca, no less? And that mm-hmm. was it. Did it not seem absolutely yeah. ridiculous? Yes. I mean, that, that was way too easy, way too quick. What actually goes through my head is way back. I can't remember when it was 90s with um, Independence Day. The yeah. movie with Will Smith. <laughs> And Will Smith goes to steal the helicopter and the, the big old burly dude right there saying, no, you can't do that. And and Will Smith says, don't just tell him I hit you. Yeah. And just kind of look like it's like, what? And, <laughs> and that's what I think this is, is it's like they're, I don't know, JJ or whoever is like, here, yeah, just what we'll is tell them that, that they hit Wookiee and and took him. It's like, what? Yeah, that's I, <laughs> I don't know, man. It would have made sense if like Finn got taken. Okay. You know, and then, oh, crap, we lost Finn, but not really. That would have made more sense. But Chewie, come on. That no. (laughs) Dude, he rips. He just, ah, no. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So back to the power really quickly. There was a lot of interesting things that they did here with the force. And Kryptonite, I know you wanted to bring up some comments on the limits of the force. So go go for it. And I'll share my thoughts after you do. Yeah. So, so I I mean, to kind of think you back and so, I mean, you look back at the original trilogy and. I mean, they, they did show the lightning in six, but I mean, it's, it's like, like all, all that you saw there is like, okay, they're moving these smaller objects and throwing them and, and things like that. And 
there's different things and it's like, okay, well, this is cool that you can be able to do that. But as we're getting into this trilogy, it's like, we're seeing the force being used in new and broader ways. Mm-hmm. And especially in this movie, I mean, like, like that time there you're talking about that she was like pulling that big ship back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not like it was stationary. It was pushing away and she was pulling it back. And then you have Kylo Ren coming and trying to pull it another direction yeah, and all that. And just, the, I, I guess the sheer force and exertion or whatever is what caused the lightning. I'm not sure the explanation per se behind that, but being able to do that. And of course, then you have force ghosts that are able to levitate yeah. things as the uh, force ghost. Luke comes mm-hmm. back and raises up the, uh, the yeah. ship mm-hmm. uh, for, for Ray and all that. And I mean, just a lot of demonstration of power. And then you get the, uh, where uh, Ray and Kylo are, are fighting in opposite places. She's on, on the spaceship with in, in his area and they're seeing each other and they start fighting. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And, and, and transferring uh, objects. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. And yeah, yeah they, they end up transferring the, the necklace and he's like, Oh, I know where this, I know where they are. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, and then the light, the light at the end mm-hmm. with transferring the lightsaber yeah, so cool. uh, from her to him is like, oh, oh that's gosh. cool. Yeah. Being able to do that. So they got teleportation yeah. now. And so, well, so they explained that is that they had an unusual and unnatural connection to yeah. each other through the force that they'd never seen before. Yeah. Or Palpatine said that now. Okay. So I wanted to comment on that because if you go back to the original new hope episode four Obi-Wan tells Vader, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Okay. So as a force ghost, you become more powerful. So they set that up in the in No empire strikes back when Vader's fighting Luke. If you notice Vader never ever lifts his hand to move the objects. He just stands there and all of a sudden objects start flying all over the place. And it wasn't until you go back to the prequels that you see everybody had to actually move their hand in order. Like when Maul, Darth Maul's fighting, you know, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, he Mm. takes his hand, he looks down at an object and he points at it and then he throws it through the force, you know, at the door to whatever, close the door, open the door or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, well, if you were to look at it from that standpoint, this is getting super nerdy, but I'm gonna have fun here. (laughs) If you're moving your arm in order to use the force, and Vader in Empire Strikes Back doesn't even have to move his body at all to control the Force, then Vader is significantly more powerful than any of those other chodes. Or at <laughs> from, least more experienced. Well, Keep in go, mind, right? Darth, Maul, Darth Maul was an apprentice, so true. maybe apprentices just Vader don't have was an apprentice. control yet. Yeah, well, true. So then you start to see a little bit more raw power as you go through the prequels a little bit, but then if you get into the expanded universe, and by expanded, and it's actually canon, you get into the Clone Wars, you get into Rebels, and they even did like a more cartoony. I think Cartoon Network did it, which was Star Wars, the Clone Wars. And they showed Mace Windu's powers. And that was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen because he literally walks up, puts his hand up. You know, it's one of those. Um, what were those? They were assault droids. They were the big ones, you know, that use their wrists. Yeah. The big silver ones. I don't know what their <laughs> model was off the top of my head. But anyway, they he would walk up, put his hand up and then he like closed his hand and literally that droid disassembled instantly using the force. And then he took all of the parts of the droid and like shot him through all the other droids and it, you know, destroyed them all. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. 
Then, of course, you've got video games like, you know, The Old Republic and The Force Unleashed and all that, where he actually, in Force Unleashed, brings down a, a Star Destroyer. So you see, oh. granted, this is all non-movie, but it's all part of the canon. And so now they're saying, okay, well, we might as well. And, and honestly, like, in my opinion, if the Force really is that, you know, what do they call it? It surrounds us. It binds us. If it really is that big, then is there any true limit to what the, could be done with the Force? Yeah, true. That's just my thought. I like the other way, though. Yeah, good, good way to bring that up. Now, you also, I know, Kryptonite, we're going to bring up some of the training issues, you know, between like yeah. the prequels and then four through nine and all that. Yeah, because because you look at the prequels, just kind of going chronologically, younglings. There's there, there's this whole whole process of you get the kids when they're like super young. I mean, Anakin was too old, and he was what probably six or something like that. So you get them really, really young and you train them until they become become adults. And even a lot of times they have to train for even a while as adults before they become a master. Yeah. And so they go through and do all this training and then you get to Luke and he's an adult and he gets, I mean, very, very like almost no training in, in a new home. Um, no, with with Obi Wan. Oh, so that's he, true. Yeah. He has very very little training there. Yeah, it's but kind he, of was, like a, he was pretty crappy in A New Hope, though. He had to well, use true. his blaster quite a bit. He barely was able to do anything. Yeah, right. And then you get him getting some training with Yoda, which was more calisthenics and lifting things. And then, uh, <laughs> but but he seemed <laughs> to have a, a connection with, with with the Force. I, mean, I don't know how long that training went, but. It didn't seem like it was a whole lot. I mean, at most yeah. a year, probably less. Oh, much less. And, yeah. It was only and then, short and time. then he comes back, and Yoda dies. Yeah. So that's basically the extent of his training. And he really wasn't um, that but, good in Return of the Jedi either, though. If you think about it, like he called himself a Jedi. He was a Jedi Master as of Return of the Jedi, which I don't understand. No, he said he was a Jedi right. Knight. He was a Jedi Knight. Okay. Anyway, I but you're right. Like but, he, but he did very get, little training. He did fall into the Rancor pit. I mean, yeah. You think a master would have avoided that? I don't That's know. That's true. Yeah. So, so, so. Anyway, so, so it it just seems like it was like really quick, really easy. But I mean, he's like this this master by the end, um, and then he starts training whatever other people. Kylo Ren being one of them, and then you have Ray that comes. And seven, she like has no training, just all the raw, She's just perfect. raw power. Yeah. And then she tries to get some training from Luke in eight, and the that training is very minimal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she she learned how to get milk, and <laughs> I don't know Man. what else. But anyway, so away, you know what? A, what a, you just reminded me what a yeah. train wreck eight was. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, and then and then she gets a little bit of training from. Leia, who wasn't even trained, by the way. Well, yeah, I mean, apparently Leia knew something of, of the Force because I well, mean, maybe Luke trained. You know, her I don't know. We, yeah, we don't know how much Leia oh, got trained no, between. No, no. They did show a scene in there um, when Luke and Leia were young and they were training. So yes, uh, yeah. Luke did train Leia a bit. Yeah, right. But that was and it. so, and, and so, but it doesn't seem like she got a whole lot of training. But here is Ray. I mean, basically, all intents and purposes, the most powerful Force user seeing how she was able to like harness all the power of the Jedi to overcome Palpatine, which was embodiment of all the Sith 
lords. Oh, but that um, that's different, by the way, and I'll I'll explain that in a minute. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but 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 anyway, but, but I mean that she was able to at least be that vessel. Yeah. With such little training, anybody could have done uh, that though. But, kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's like 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 it goes from the beginning in the prequels to where it's like you have to have a lifetime of training. Yeah. And then here it's like okay, here maybe a couple months to a couple years of training to be able to do it just seemed really odd to me in that aspect yeah i agree they kind of threw that out a little bit more of a i don't know why they did that but i mean granted you had the formality of the prequels of the jedis and the jedi masters and all that you don't have that anymore but yeah again the whole thing with ray is i think they're trying to explain away her you know natural talent because it was born of the dark side through the emperor so i I don't know but you're right with the rest of them that is an interesting observation and I guess they kind of did that with Luke too, with the fact that he was Vader's son and Vader had all that raw natural power as well. Midi-chlorians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the Jedi ghosts really quickly, because first of all, I did like how there's one thing I think they could have done better, but other than that, I really liked how they did that whole thing where she was trying to meditate. She was trying to commune with the Jedi ghosts and, and let's just call them force ghosts, the old Jedi masters. They would not talk to her. She could never get an answer. She was very confused. That all made sense because, you know, the whole point is, well, you're a Palpatine. You know, you're essentially born of the dark side and we don't trust you because we think you're going to be seduced. That made sense. And then, of course, later on, she proves that, okay, you know what? You actually are standing up against the emperor. You have fought against the dark side. Okay, we'll give you our power. And to me, that was amazing. Like it's all of the Jedi's from all time shoot their power through her. And that's like the only way that you can defeat the emperor or Palpatine. He's not really the emperor anymore, but I I, I thought that was amazing because it's like, that's how powerful Palpatine is. And the only way to kill him was to take the force from all of the Jedi's from all time to be able to defeat him, which I thought was neat. And I also liked the fact that it killed her in the process because it was too much power for one person to handle. And to me, that was like, okay, that was well done. That made perfect sense. And I really liked that. The only thing that I think they should have done big time. I really, really, truly believe they should have done this. They should have been able to get every single actor to come back and reprise their role from episodes one through nine as a force ghost. So, of course, you'd have the ones in the front, the popular ones. You would have Anakin. You know, Maybe. you'd have Obi-Wan, you'd have Qui-Gon, Adi Galea, Plo Koon, Mace Windu, Ahsoka Tano, all those people. You'd have every single one of them standing there. And then as they Yoda. say, yeah, Yoda, of course, you know how as they're talking to her and you can hear the voices, that's actually them saying it to her physically. Well, of course, as a force ghost. And then, of course, behind, you know, all the ones we know is all the other Jedis from all time. And, you know, we don't know all of them, but it's just like this sea of blinding white and they're all standing there. And then all of a sudden you see like their power come from them through Ray and then hitting Palpatine. That would have been amazing. Then just voices, even though the voices were cool, that just would have been, Oh my gosh, talk about it. That would have been the best tribute ever. Yeah, but I can write things better than some people. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly better than JJ, but go ahead. So there you go. And then of course that leads into, you know, Kylo Ren's redemption to Ben solo, which I also thought was just fantastic, you know, him choosing the right path and sacrificing. And then, of course, oh, my gosh, Leia being able to use her last remaining power to kind of stop him 
and help him to turn back was so amazing, which of course mm-hmm. sacrificed Leia and then, then Ren sacrifices himself to heal. Mm, yeah. Oh my gosh. That was just like all of that. I'm like, perfect. That couldn't have been done better in my opinion. Yeah, I would have yeah. to agree. That, that was all tied together really well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's so many more things. I, I'm just going to keep going towards the end, but you know, I, I like at the end how she makes her own saber and it's a yellow saber and then she goes to Tatooine and buries Luke and Leia's sabers, you know, at the old homestead. That was neat seeing all that mm-hmm. and then ending, you know, with the twin sons uh, just at the end. It was just like, okay, you've wrapped it up. Yeah, it was a good wrap. It was a really, really beautiful ending to the whole saga, but there were a couple things really quickly that I feel like we should discuss. You mentioned Captain Influence, some over-the-top stuff. And I was curious to hear your thoughts. Like, what did you think was over-the-top? All right, well, the two things in the beginning of the movie really struck me as over-the-top. And I wish they hadn't been in the beginning of the movie, but maybe I guess it's, maybe it's good that they were in the beginning because that allowed for the rest of the movie to redeem it uh, a bit. So, mm-hmm. so let's start with this. I think that J.J. Abrams has given new birth to the old term jumping the shark. Uh, we should all now call it jump skipping. The shark. Like, oh, that series totally jump skipped, man. They just yeah. went out of, out of control at the end. And at, at, you know, they started out strong and then they just jump skipped crazy. That's, that should be the new term for that. Uh, yeah. The, the, the whole jump skipping scene was so gratuitous. It was really, really... Oh, that's yeah, that's Abrams right there. So, and not just that the Millennium Falcon was jumping every few seconds to another city or where else did they jump to? They were they were jumping into all these obstacle courses basically, and yeah. and the ships chasing him Could were jumping too. with him. Yeah, and so it was doubly unrealistic. And and again, you have to say unrealistic. It, it, whatever you say, unrealistic when it comes to Star Wars, I hear a lot of eyes rolling out there. But still, <laughs> even within the context of Star Wars, that was just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Let me play um, a quote here that tells you that within the context that they have created, the world they've created of Star Wars, this is impossible. Okay, listen to this. Traveling through hyperspacing like dust and crops, boy. Without precise calculations, we'd fly right through a star or bounce too close to a supernova and then an injured trip real quick, wouldn't you? See, there you go. Without yeah. precise calculations, you'd fly right through a star. Come on. Seriously? So, well, and, and you and know how so long Abram, it took him to get the calculations in the Millennium Falcon. Right. So, so the, the uh, Abrams or somebody involved might say, well, but the Millennium Falcon had had its uh, computer system upgraded and, and it could make those calculations instantly now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But hold on. So in <laughs> fact, uh, Johnny pistol shot and I were talking about this and he explained something that there was a story somewhere. I think it was a book where they were able to do that, but everything had been pre-programmed. They knew exactly where they were going. It was like this, you know, specific course and it was jump skipping essentially and in the huh. book and everything, but it was all planned out. They all, they knew everything. Everything was precisely calculated so that they could do it. This in the movie was not precisely calculated. And even if it was, that goes back to your point that the millennium Falcon would, would have been the only thing that could have jump skipped correctly. The, you know, the basically the enemies chasing them would have all died because they didn't have those precise calculations, even if the millennium Falcon did. But of course, nobody, it was, it just was was, eye candy at the beginning of the movie. That's all it was wrong. Like, see, that's what bothers me is you can't take a world that you've created, have a quote like that from Han Solo and the, and everybody knows that quote, and to be able to be like, oh, never mind. We're just going to pretend that didn't happen and we're just going to screw it up. 
if you're J.J. Abrams, you very darn well can. But you know Brian. what? It's not just J.J. Abrams. I mean, they've done this in Arrow. They've done it in Flash. They've done it in so many. It's not just J.J. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of people that that's called lazy research and writing. And I actually well, really have a serious problem with that. But it's also mm-hmm. it, it, it on another level. It's also what I was talking about uh, earlier with regards to insulting the audience's intelligence. Yeah. You just are. There's no getting around it. You're yep. insulting our intelligence, especially the Star Wars fans. But that's JJ going, you know, <laughs> I am awesome. Here you go. You throw me all your money and here's a giant piece of crap that you're all going to love or hate. I don't care. What I'm blown uh, away by is how no one else spoke up and said, you do realize that we can't do this because of what Han Solo said. And, and maybe they probably, did. Well, yeah. And then they probably said, oh, nobody will notice. <laughs> nobody will notice. Nobody will notice. They're not smart. Uh, so that was the okay. first thing. The second thing was, uh, and, and I know you disagree with me on this, Brian, but um, uh, the other over-the-top part near the beginning was when they first introduced Palpatine and he reveals that huge fleet of Star Destroyers that rises up out of the mist. Yeah. And, and it's just like, wait, where did this huge fleet come from out of nowhere? Now you had you had a somewhat plausible explanation for that, but I felt like in the moment in the theater that was another slap to the face. Like we think that you watching this have an IQ of less than a hundred, and we don't care. So I don't know. Well, my opinion on that one was that the Emperor has been technically quote dead for I don't know what was it ten or so. That's been a little more than ten years now. And not to mention that he had been scheming and plotting all the way since back in episode one. Mm-hmm. And so like my whole point is he could have easily had this as his like secret planet hideout all that time building star destroyers, you know, having people working on this for well over 50 years and basically saving this for a time when he needed to use it. Cause yeah. I mean, how many times he was working on the death star in a nice little secretive way that nobody found out about, you know, and they did a really good job explaining that in rogue one and stuff too. So there were so many things he was doing throughout those 50 years of scheming and planning that to me, that makes perfect sense to be able to say, Hey, here's thousands of star destroyers that I've been in the process of making for the past 50 years. And yeah, they might've destroyed our fleet over here, but ha, you didn't get this. That makes sense to me. And that's fair. And that, and I can accept that argument even. But to me, in the moment, it was the same as the planet killing Star Destroyer. What, what was that? What, in episode seven, what did they call it? Uh, oh, planet killer base or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Star, that, star it, killer that, base. There it was just as ridiculous as that to me. So, that but again, luckily, luckily, the rest of the movie really did a good job of redeeming that, that yeah. initial JJ stuff. So, I agree. I think those were really the only two main... Well... For me, the jump skipping was the main negative, and that just really upset me. Um, <laughs> and I understand that the uh, <laughs> the start upset me. The, uh, uh, it, let's just say I was miffed. Um, <laughs> but other with than a that, capital though, M. yeah, with a capital M, I F F. Anyway, so other than that, though, yeah, with with your starter story thing, I think I think mainly though the movie just delivered and did a good job in that sense, which I was fair enough appreciative yeah. of. Okay, last thing let's just chat about briefly is Ray. She's a Palpatine. At the very end, you know, that woman passes by. Who are you? I'm Ray Skywalker. Mm-hmm. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What'd you guys think? I don't, yeah. I don't have anything to say about it. Uh, it was, like I said, that, that, was, that moment was part of how 
the movie did a good job of wrapping everything up. Yeah, and that was one of those things that I had heard in leaks uh, beforehand. And I heard that there was a lot of people that heard that leak that were upset at it because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that's a disgrace to the Skywalkers. I mean, she's not even a Skywalker. I mean, how can you take claim as being a Skywalker? But uh, we know. But to me, yeah, and but, but I mean, Wait. for me, I think I mean she proved herself that, and 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 one of the things too, I think that they kind of shown through with the movie is that it doesn't necessarily matter what your family is or your bloodline or whatever you make your own decisions mm-hmm. and we're going to embrace you for who you are and what you do and so they did that with ray i mean they, they did that with um poe as well a little bit because it's like he was ashamed of his history yeah. and in my mind i'm like well what's your problem and look around you you got you got a yeah. you got bunch of people that have a a sordid past misfits um yeah exactly and but anyway so it doesn't really matter your heritage but she proved herself in everything that she did and i i think it was a fitting thing and so i think it was a good thing to where she officially said okay i am not associating with my biological line because of the terribleness that that Palpatine is and I am going and I have sided with Skywalker. And so I thought it was a little cheesy the way they had the uh Luke and Leia there and the Force Ghost kind of giving approval. I thought that was maybe a little cheesy, but overall I still liked it. Yeah, yeah. I did too. All right. Well, uh, last thing I'm going to ask you. And this is for anyone too, but this is for the three of us to answer and and then I would love to hear feedback you know, as you've listened through this, this review, give us your feedback, your thoughts on the movie. And also would love your, your answer to this question. Do you think, and I'm going to say that we know that George Lucas sold his rights of star Wars to Disney. Do you think that as a condition of selling his rights to Disney, that he should have been in full charge of these three movies? Like I'm selling star Wars, but I have to be in charge of the story and the direction of these three movies. And then it's all yours. Great question. Because honestly, look at what he did with, I mean, episode one. It's, it, it was almost unforgivable. However, to be fair, uh, if, if, if no one's ever seen, uh, it was on Netflix back in the day, but, but I, I don't know if it's still there or not, but it was The People versus George Lucas or whatever, whatever that documentary was. <laughs> yeah, that was it. a really good documentary. And I came away from that feeling like, oh, you know, maybe I don't feel so bad about George Lucas in episode one and et cetera. It's just because uh, just the way I don't remember what he said. It's been too many, too many years since I watched it, but it was a really good watch. But back to what I was saying, I don't, you know, we all know what he did with his own prequels as far as where he took, the, where he started the prequels, at least he ended the prequels really strong, but he started them very weak. Uh, I think most people agree. So what would he have done I mean, would it have been more egregious to our eyes than what, well, to my eyes at least, than what JJ did? Or would he have totally, re- I mean, would it have been just what I always wanted the sequels to be, uh, which these weren't? So I don't know. That's a really good question. Yeah, generally, I would say yes, it would have been a good thing. I think there would have been fewer misrepresentations or plot holes based on canon. Mm hmm. 
I mean, I, I could be wrong in that. I mean, I mean, he's, I mean, there, there are some things that he put in the prequels that didn't quite match up with, with, with some of the stuff too, but I think it would have been better. Um, I, I don't think he would have made the jump skipping mistake. <laughs> um, <laughs> he would not. Uh, no. and, and maybe some other things. I think the, the overall cohesion would have been better overall. I think seven and eight probably would have been better than, than all that that happened in some of those things. And I think seven and eight would have gotten better reviews. And I think then as a result of that, I think there wouldn't have, it wouldn't have had to be so many patchwork things done in nine mm. to yeah. be able to end the story where it needed to be. But again, that's all hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Don't know because I mean, it, it, it could have been what it, what it was, but what I think they should have done in addition, I think probably all movie and TV franchises and book review places and all that should do is they should have, I mean, with Star Wars, you have whatever, I mean, however many millions of fans and you have thousands of super fans and then you have whatever the dozen of people that think that they are actually in Star Wars um, <laughs> because they're so ingrained into it. Yeah. Get these people in there, get a dozen or two dozen people that are like so ingrained in star Wars lore that I mean that they're, they're going to catch everything, have them as part of the review process. Mm -hmm. And so have them review the script, have them review the, the different editing things and have them involved in that process. And that would have, I mean, I think that would have saved a whole lot of things. Yeah. Because all of these movies. That, that's a good point because look what Peter Jackson did with Lord of the Rings. He brought in Tolkien experts to help him vet uh, his his uh, screenplay. Yeah, uh, and so was brilliant. And so yeah, it was it was a really good idea. So I why why didn't well why didn't JJ do that? Because he's JJ. Why should he? So yeah, I almost feel like and the thing is is I don't know if because like you said with Episode One. I, I mean, okay, let's be honest. I liked it, but it was not a good movie and it was sort of a travesty to the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. And of course, he brought in Jar Jar and everything else. So it's like, you know, <laughs> the, there are a lot of things that George did that were bad. Yeah. And there were a lot. I mean, he created Star Wars, so he did a lot of good things, right? I almost feel like, I mean, if we were if we were looking at episode three as an example, it would have been a good thing to bring George Lucas on to do seven, eight and nine. He would never have destroyed Luke's story and legacy. He would never have made Luke like that at all. So that would have been a good thing, but I almost feel like it should have been George Lucas should have been a writer and a producer and then have another director because there are things that George did even in episode three, which we all look back and go, wow, that was really good. There were some things in there like no and all kinds of other (laughs) dumb things like that, that he allowed and that should never have been allowed, even in episode three. So, or yeah. like the mm. you stupid astro droid, you know, those dumb freaking droids oh, yeah. that sounded the like droid, they were on helium yeah. or something. It's like, come on. That was so bad. <laughs> so in some ways, I think George should have had, it should have been his story. It should have been, he should have been as a producer or something, but he should not have been in charge per se. Fair. Yeah, Somebody like should that. have said, like nope, that. not going to like that. Not, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, yeah, no Jar Jar unless yeah. he's dead. <laughs> So, 
I know you said this was the last topic, but I really want to briefly discuss uh, the very, very end of episode nine, where Lando is telling that one character, what is her name, oh, please? Yeah. Uh, I, I uh, she I she also plays Fringilla in The Witcher, by the way. Uh, she's one of the mages in The Witcher. but okay. uh, That character. Yeah. They, 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 at the very end of the episode nine, they make a very blatant hint that she is the future of the franchise, or at least one future of the franchise that they're going to potentially do a spinoff as her as the main character. Yeah. So what did you guys think of that? Well, that was interesting. And the thought that I had was at first I thought, oh no, you know, they have to make another movie. And by the way, we didn't even talk about Lando at all. And, um, Oh yeah. (laughs) Billy D man, Billy D in the movie. I love Billy D. I got to meet him in person. Such a cool guy. Yeah, I, I was so glad they brought him back. I love how he's just laughing all the time. <laughs> it was so- yeah, I mean, he, was, he was a really good addition to the to, the, to that episode. It was great. So. Mm-hmm. My theory, though, is that they're going to do a spinoff movie or series. I think a series. Yeah. I think that's the direction things are going. So. Well, with Disney Plus, yeah, that's probably what they'll do. Yeah, they'll bring right. Lando back and it'll be like his daughter or something like that. Or I don't know. Maybe his, maybe it's like a, a former lover. Or, I, I don't You know, Lando is a smoothie. Come on. He was a he was a ladies' man. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's what that's what Han called him. The old smoothie. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, you truly belong here among the stars. <laughs> the, the clouds, clouds the, the clouds. clouds. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the clouds. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, there were a lot of things we didn't discuss, but you know, this would be a three-hour episode otherwise. So, I feel like we we covered the the main topics. Anything else though that you want to bring up before we f- call it quits? I just want to say that I really hope there are more Star Wars movies. I know there will be other. Yeah. I know there will be continued Star Wars shows on Disney Plus, uh, and The Mandalorian ended strong, and it's going to continue. And I'm looking forward to that. And this new show that has yet to be announced, uh, allegedly, but I really hope that they have more uh, movies similar to Rogue One and like Solo. Mm-hmm. I really liked that concept of doing these little. Mm-hmm. vignette vignette movies if you mm-hmm. will so yeah i agree uh yeah i think they will and they probably will do another trilogy of some kind you know it's disney they'll they'll find another way to make money and someday they, doing, they will reboot this whole thing oh, they, they will better not that would that would be stupid they should never reboot this they should leave this alone and do something else if they want to do something else mm-hmm. like the mandalorian they are doing an obi-wan series with ewan mcgregor that's coming out pretty soon actually i think oh yeah i keep forgetting about that that looks interesting to me so all right well gentlemen thank you this was fun to discuss i appreciate it yeah thanks for having us yeah of course glad to be here go out watch the movie or if you've seen it already let us know your thoughts let us know your answer yeah what's your answer to our question about should george lucas have been involved and in what way and yeah we i mean just love to hear we'd love to get the discussion going join the facebook group if you want to join our slack as well all of that will be in the show notes it is under realbryanshow.com slash 193 since this is episode 193 already so go check it out but other than that i think we are done for the day good are we <laughs> Wait, you're happy about us being done come on no work here is finished my friend uh, what an idiot what an idiot what jerk. <laughs> deep thoughts with captain influence If we see a new Star Wars reboot 15 to 20 years from now, and it is directed by someone named J.J. Wu, I won't say I told you so. Yes, I will. I am your sister. 
Oh, I had to do that, that one. Good. All right. Hey, thank you for joining us. That was fun. <laughs> Kryptonite, thank you. It's been a blast, man. Glad oh, to glad back. to be here. Glad to be on this side of the show. Yeah, I know. It's good to have you on this side of the show. Captain, as always, a pleasure. Thank you, sir. And you know what the music means. Oh, yeah. All right. Hey, have a great few days. We'll be back this Friday with another episode. Also, hey, while we're at it, let us know what you thought of this. Did you like us You know, doing an entire episode dedicated to reviewing a movie or a TV show or something? What do you think? Do you like that? You want us to do more? Let us know. All right. Have a great week. This is The Real Brian Show, signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com. Don't fail me again.